Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone has had a great week so far. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I don't know what your plans are. You might live in a state in an area where you're where your governor or your local official is telling you that they're going to sick the cops on you if you do the scandalous uh, the scandalous illicit thing of gathering with your family for Thanksgiving and enjoying fellowship, or maybe you live in a state where there aren't as many regulations and you're looking forward to that gathering. There's been a lot of back and forth on this. We talked a little bit on Monday. I do recommend going to listen to Monday's episode because we talked a little bit about, well, we talked a lot about what it looks like to live under God's authority uh, above any other authority. That doesn't mean that we subvert the leadership here on earth just because we want to. Romans 13 is clear about that. But when any kind of edict or earthly authority causes us to sin, then that is when we choose to obey a God rather than man. When it comes to gathering for Thanksgiving, um, I think it's up to you. You love your family and know your family better than the state does. You love your elderly parents better than the government does. You love your kid coming home from college better than the state does. You know their mental and their physical needs. And I promise you, you are more resistant to harming them or putting them in harm's way than the state is. So you can trust yourself. You can trust your family to decide what is best in gathering. Is it that you have a smaller crowd come over? Is it that you use, I don't know, disposable uh, cutlery and plates? Is it that you, uh, you know, distance everyone while you're eating? Or maybe you don't feel like it's important to do any of those precautions whatsoever. I think it's up to you and your family. The fact of the matter is, is that you know better what is best for you and your family. That is my basic political philosophy. That is certainly my philosophy when it comes to gathering for Thanksgiving. It's not that the virus isn't serious. It's not that you won't ever get it or that you won't die from it. There is a very very, very, very slight possibility that that will happen, that it will be serious for you or someone in your family and they could die. Uh, that is possible. It's possible with the flu. It's possible with other sicknesses as well. And it is up to you whether or not you want to take on that risk. But it should be up to you, not up to the government, not for a virus that uh, that has the that has the survival rate that this does. It should be up to you. So take it as seriously as you want to take it. Take all of the precautions that you want to take. If you feel like you're you're more comfortable not meeting with your family, then that that's completely fine. That is your decision and uh that is what is best for you. And I, you know, I, I applaud you in making that decision for yourself. I don't think that you should decide any one way based on the threats of a tiny tyrant. This is not about for them, for a lot of them. I don't think this is really about protecting you and your family. Like, do you really believe the pro-abortion, pro-rioting and looting, pro-mass mosh pits after Joe Biden was the projected winner? Do you really think those people care whether or not your elderly parent gets COVID-19? No, they do not. They do not actually, I'm not going to believe that the party who believes that slaughtering babies inside the womb really cares all that much whether or not your grandparent gets coronavirus, especially when they give someone like Andrew Cuomo an Emmy leadership, Emmy's uh, Emmy's leadership award. I don't even know what that is uh, for awesome, outstanding leadership in New York. 
when he, by executive order, shoved thousands and thousands of elderly people, COVID positive elderly people, back into nursing homes, causing mass sickness and death in the elderly population in New York. The same thing happened in New Jersey. A similar thing happened in Michigan. So those same people who had a blatant disregard for the lives of elderly people, that could have been avoided very easily. But because they were reckless and arbitrary in their leadership, they're going to say now that you can't safely gather for Thanksgiving because of your elderly parents and grandparents. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, So like I said, I'm not saying don't take this virus seriously. I am saying that you are best equipped to make those decisions, not the government who does not know you. They do not know the needs of your family, but you do. So you decide. You decide what is best. We are going to decide what is best uh, for my family. You decide what is best for your family. There's a lot of people right now who are struggling. There's a lot of people who are struggling mentally and emotionally. There was... um, Someone who um, I guess you could call him an influencer or commentator, a conservative commentator on Twitter who shared that he's had a a very rough few months mentally and that he uh, has even in a few moments considered suicide. Well, the leftists, and I know this is not representative of the left, and I'm not trying to make this argument, but the people who happen to disagree with him, who happen to be on the left on Twitter, were actually saying, you know what, it's really selfish of you to even bring this up. It's selfish of you to say because you're struggling mentally and struggling with thoughts of suicide that you should go visit your family. You're going to kill your family. You're so you're so selfish. There were even a couple tweets, and I actually... Uh, quote tweeted them just to show people the attitude that some people have in regards to this. There were some people under his tweet that said, you know what, maybe you should you should let those thoughts play out. You should you should give in to those thoughts if you're going to be that selfish. And so on the one hand, some of the people who are saying, hey, COVID-19, it's going to kill everyone. And I really care about your elderly parents are also telling someone who struggles with mental health that maybe he should just kill himself. If he's going to be, quote, selfish, that's the attitude, Uh, not that specific uh, wish of of death upon someone. But that's the contradictory, hypocritical attitude of a lot of people on the left who have had nothing to say about the health risks of the Biden celebrations in the streets or any of the riots or any of the mass protests where a lot of people were not wearing masks and they were gathered together body to body. Uh, But now when it comes to Thanksgiving, gathering with, I don't know, five to 10 people safely in your home, maybe even wearing masks and washing your hands and maybe even distance, that is apparently selfish. That is wrong. That is what's going to kill people. That's not even statistically true. It's not logically true. It is not morally correct. And so please do not take your moral cues or your public health cues or your political cues from the people who simultaneously have nothing to say about the public health risks of the gatherings that they deem politically correct, but have everything to say about what you do inside your home with your family. Let's just have a little bit of common sense here. Let's have a little bit of compassion. I'm okay. I'm okay with people saying, you know what? This is a more serious virus than we're thinking, and we need to spread out and take this more seriously uh, than people are taking it right now. That's fine. You can say that. But please, for the love of all things good, apply that standard to everyone. You know, there's a lot of self-righteous people in the media saying, oh, Trump supporters, they're not taking this seriously. There was actually a nurse from South Dakota that was on CNN who claimed that um, 
people who were Trump supporters, as they were gasping for air in their dying breaths, that they were saying, oh, this isn't real. Biden ruined everything. First of all, I don't think that that's true. I don't think that's true because even in this interview, she said, you know, it wasn't one specific patient. It was just a a culmination. What is that supposed to mean? Either it happened or it didn't. Did you hear those words? Someone dying from coronavirus in the hospital that you were taking care of in South Dakota, who this nurse, by the way, is very active on Twitter as a liberal activist, an outspoken liberal activist on Twitter. She just happened to have these interactions with so-called Trump supporters as they were on their deathbed in the hospital. Did that really happen? Did it really happen that these uh, that these Trump supporters said that this was all Biden's fault, that this is not real? Could they just be gas or grasping for uh Uh, grasping for something to hang on to because they're dying. Maybe it's unbelievable to a lot of people that they could be slipping into death and it had nothing to do with politics at all. She said, it's not any one specific patient. It was just a culmination. Did it happen or did it not? Because I, if I were a betting woman, which I'm not, but if I were, I would bet money that that didn't happen, that you saw a moment to go viral, which she did. You saw a moment to go on the news, which she did. And so you created this narrative based on what you already think about Trump supporters. And yes, there are people probably disproportionately Trump supporters who think this is a hoax. There are some people who think that this is just not real. That number of people is so small. It's it's so incredibly small. Most people have the attitude, I would say on the Trump side and maybe even on, on the other side as well, uh, the attitude that I do, they say, okay, yeah, this is a virus. I know people who have been affected by it. I know friends of friends or parents of friends who have gone to the hospital, who have been in the ICU, who have died from it. Okay, so I'm not saying this is a hoax. I think most people see it that way, but they say, But hang on a second. The whole person matters. Mentally, we matter. Emotionally, we matter. Those things matter too. Going to school matters. Going to church matters. And again, people can be trusted to do that in a way that is safe. Small businesses matter. Livelihoods matter. Depression and suicide and child abuse rates matter. Those things matter too. But we've been told for the past few months that we can't care about those things or else we want everyone to die. It's absurd. It's absurd. And the most absurd part about it, which is why I think there is so much confusion and pushback, is that we have a media, like I said, who will criticize some people for gathering for Thanksgiving. Chris Hayes of MSNBC uh, said, you know, he doesn't know what to say to people who are going to gather for Thanksgiving, whatever. And a few days before that, he uh, reposted a video of people celebrating Biden's win, some people with masks on, some people not in these mosh pits saying, you know, people really need this right now. So people really need to be gathering in mass gatherings in the street, celebrating a projected Biden win. But people don't need to gather with those who love them the most for Thanksgiving. And it's that kind of hypocrisy, the selective outrage, the selective criticism that seems to be based completely on political affiliation and hatred of Trump, uh, that has caused people to flout the rules and in some cases to flout the seriousness of it. Because you see the hypocrisy of people like Gavin Newsom eating at that fancy restaurant, Andrew Cuomo, who recently said, oh yeah, I'm going to host my elderly mom for dinner. And then he backtracked on that when he got backlash. Uh, When we see these people in power who are forcing down our throats these arbitrary, unscientific lockdowns and regulations. 
and they're not following them themselves, the media doing the same thing. And people say, okay, those in power must not take this as seriously as they are telling us to take it. So it must not be as serious. So, But those same people who are so hypocritical and are causing everyone to think that are mad at everyone for not taking it seriously. You're the reason they're not taking it seriously. It's your hypocrisy media. It's your hypocrisy leaders. So if, if you are the cause of, of people's questioning, uh, if you are the cause even of people's conspiracy theories, because that's what happens when there's a vacuum uh, created by by when there's a vacuum uh, created by bad leadership, when there is a vacuum that is created by the absence of truth in media reporting, people are going to fill that. People are going to fill that with conspiracy theory. People are going to fill that with rebellion. That's just what happens. It is bad leadership and bad reporting that has created so much of the Confusion. That's not to say President Trump and other leaders don't have any responsibility at all, because there has been some confusion in the leadership there. Absolutely. But it is the hypocrisy more than anything of the elites in this country that has created a lot of questioning by a lot of people to say, uh, are these regulations really for our own good or is it about power? Is it about politics? And people have every right to have that curiosity. People have every right to ask that question right now. It is no one's fault but these liberal leaders uh, because they're the ones that are cracking down on these harsh regulations and then doing something else themselves and the media who are outraged about people meeting together for Thanksgiving, but they're not outraged by unmasked mosh pits for Joe Biden. It is because of that hypocrisy, because of that bad leadership, that people have decided, you know what, I, I, I'm done. I'm done with this. These people really resent me. These people really loathe me. They really don't want what's best for me and my family. And I say, praise the Lord, you finally seen the light. The government has never cared about you and your family. Um, that's not to say all politicians are bad or all government leaders are bad. They all go into office saying that they care and that they want to change your life for the better. And there are some politicians that truly do. But the fact of the matter is a lot of them get drunk on power and they don't have any intention whatsoever of relinquishing it. So as I said on Monday, whatever you do, don't vote to give the government more power and more money. It never works in your favor. It never works in the favor of the government either. Like you'll notice some of the most run down cities uh, are led by politicians who run and win on taking care of the vulnerable. And then they never do. They take that power. They take those tax dollars. They become corrupt. They become drunk on power. And uh, they don't serve their constituents. It's the cycle that never ends. So as I say, the moral of the story is not to not take the virus seriously. It's not to rebel for the sake of rebellion against these tiny tyrants because we should submit to authorities as far as we possibly can without sinning. It is simply to say, you know what is best for you and your family. And right now, it is important for a lot of people to gather together. If you are someone who is struggling mentally, if you are someone who feels like, wow, I think I've slipped into depression or serious anxiety without even realizing it. Like I'm really struggling with loneliness and isolation. Know that you're not alone in that. That is unfortunately a trend uh, that has been happening for the past few months. I know people who have been struggling 
In the same way, the CDC said uh, they just released an analysis showing a 31% increase in mental health-related ER visits among children ages 12 to 17 since the lockdowns in March and even a 24% increase in the ER visits for children as young as 5 to 11. A lot of those, they don't just have to do with anxiety and depression and isolation and oversaturation of screens. That also is not good for mental health for children. Um, it is also, it's also because of increased child abuse. When you've got parents who maybe lost their job, they're financially strained, or they have their kids at home all day with them. Of course, in an ideal world, no parent would be mad about that. No parent would be uh, disappointed in that. But unfortunately, there are parents who are. That increases the likelihood of domestic abuse for these children. A University of Wisconsin research survey found significant mental health, anxiety, and depression issues in the high school age population with 65% reporting anxiety symptoms. This is also true of the rest of the population. Like I said, I know people who have been really struggling, who have all of a sudden, uh, not all of a sudden, but over the past few months slipped into depression and have entertained suicidal thoughts that they never thought that they would have. And that is because human beings are social creatures. God made us this way. I know I say this a lot, but leftist, just the ideology of leftism gets human nature wrong. They believe that human beings can adapt to any new progressive social whim. They can adapt to any new government regulation and that they will be fine. It's just, it's not true. Human beings need community. You need fellowship. And like I said on Monday, there are states that allow casinos to operate, but not churches. There are states that allow strip uh, strip clubs and abortion clinics and liquor stores to operate at least at half capacity, but churches still have to meet outside or meet online or schools are closed down while these strip clubs and casinos and uh, and abortion clinics are all open. It shows the backwards nature of our society that, again, these people that are making these arbitrary rules that seem to be discriminating against uh, religious people, discriminating against children, they don't have your family's best interest at heart and don't be convinced into thinking that they do. The whole person matters. The heart and the mind and the soul matter. Human beings need fellowship. We need church, not just virtual church. You need to gather. Yes, it's true that the church, uh, the church scattered is also the church gathered. Of course, church is more than a building. We know that. But God has called us to come together in corporate worship. And what a privilege it is that we get to do that. You know, there are Christians throughout the world. The majority of Christians, I would say, now that's just a guess, but at least a a large portion of Christians throughout the world cannot consistently gather together out of fear of government punishment uh, because they might be imprisoned. They might be tortured. They might be martyred for meeting together with their brothers and sisters in Christ. That has been true, by the way, um, about Christians in in most of, of human history. Uh, religious liberty, this idea that really started in the West, that uh, was a Western idea and then almost an exclusively American idea for the past at least century or so, that has provided a respite, not just for Christians, but people of other faiths too, to practice our faith, to gather together without fear of punishment. Right now, we're going through it. We're getting a, a small, small, small taste, a small taste and a very mild taste of what it is like to wonder whether or not we are able to legally gather together 
without fear of, of government punishment. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ around the world have been suffering through real threats of this for a very long time. So while we can, Christians, while we are allowed to, while we don't fear imprisonment and punishment, we need to make every effort to meet together. Again, distance, wear masks, don't shake hands, don't hug. If that's if that's what you want to do, if, if you want to mitigate the risk as much as possible, there's a way to gather together and be safe. You know better. The church knows better. You know your congregants better than the state does. You care more about them than the state does. You can be trusted to make the best decision for not just your family, but your church family. Hebrews 10, 24 through 26 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think now more than ever, we need to stir up one another to love and good works. I think our our temptation right now is to get into fear and to bitterness and to resentment. And while I think it's okay to have some righteous anger against hypocritical tyranny, I think that's actually healthy and very good. Um, I think it's very Christian historically. Uh, Protestants are the original protesters. That's where we get our name. We have been the mortal enemy of dictators since the Reformation. Christians in general have been a uh, a boil on the back of tyrants for our entire history. And so I think some of that righteous anger is really good, but we have to make sure it's not characterizing our whole lives. It's not preventing us from honoring the Lord and loving the people around us, especially uh, our our fellow members of the body of Christ. So let us uh, consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. There's no asterisk there to say, except when there is a pandemic or except when there are lockdown regulations, there is a way to love and to do good. Even in those circumstances, the church has gone through much harsher and harder circumstances than we are in America right now. It's important to remember that. And God uh, inspired this word, knowing all of those things, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I would encourage pastors, uh, look at the other gatherings that are happening. Look at the mass protests. Look at the riots. Look at the looting. Look at the people still going to strip clubs, still going to casinos, still going to get abortions. And tell me that the church doesn't need to open its doors to the world. The world seems a lot more passionate about meeting together than some churches do right now. That should not be the case. Again, be as careful and cautious as you want to. I do not think you are doing your church or your community any favors whatsoever by keeping your doors closed when um, many, many parts of the secular world are, are uh, insisting on, on meeting together. And this goes on to say, encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day drawing near. I saw um, a good tweet today, and it was a quote by Charles H. Spurgeon. Let's see if I can... If I can pull it up, I must not have. I thought that I had it on my profile, but I don't. But um, the the quote was saying that life goes by moment by moment, second by second. It's like sand in an hourglass and there's nothing that we can do to get it back here. Actually, I have it pulled up. Let me let me read it. Like sands from an hourglass, time passes. Life is wasted by driblets and seasons of grace lost by little slumbers. Oh, to be wise, to catch the flying hour, to use the moments on the wing, 
So life has not paused. We have not gotten any extension on our life because of these lockdowns. Um, life is still going forward at the same pace that it was before. We have the exact number of days that we did before the lockdown started. Uh, God says that in Psalm 139, that he counts every single one of our days before any of them come to be. So before we are even born, all of our days are numbered. Uh, What's happening right now doesn't pause our life. It doesn't add a number or a certain number of days uh, to the span that God has already preordained before we were born. So we still are obligated right now to obey the Lord and make uh, every use of our time. It's so easy to say, okay, well, when the virus is over, when the quarantine is over, when the lockdowns are, are lifted. First of all, I don't know if we're ever going back to normal. People don't give up power easily. Um, this is a way to see, and I'm, I'm not you know, saying that this whole thing is a conspiracy, but I do think some people in power are seeing just how far, just, uh, just how much they can get away with, just how far they can go, just how much they can oppose the Constitution. Because that is what's happening. They're opposing the Constitution, which is supposed to protect us from tyrants, but they know most people aren't going to push back. It takes too long to get it to the courts. And so uh, while the moment lasts, they can just kind of flout the Constitution as much as they want to, and they can act as dictators. We still have the obligation under that kind of tyranny, under these lockdowns to obey the Lord. And one thing that God calls us to do, uh, no matter what, unconditionally, is to be hospitable. Um, first Peter four nine says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling Romans 12, 13 contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Those are not the only verses that talk about hospitality. Now that doesn't mean that you have to invite the whole neighborhood to your house and kiss them on the lips. That's not what I'm arguing, but God calls us to hospitality. He calls us to generosity. He calls us to meet together. He calls us to encourage one another in loving good works. And it is our obligation, our responsibility to find ways to do that as creatively, as cautiously as we possibly can, even under uh, the leadership of these tiny tyrants that are flouting the Constitution. We make every effort to obey their edicts. That's what Romans 13 calls us to do. We make every effort to submit to authorities, but we still have to obey the Lord. And so we find ways to do that. Remember, as we talked about on Monday, separation of church and state also means um, it also means that the church is supposed to be protected from the state. Most people who talk about separation of church and state just want the state and really the entire public square to be protected from religion or any religious talk or any spirituality whatsoever, not realizing, one, that secularism is a religion, and number two, that the church is also supposed to be protected from the state in the separation of church and state uh, principle. And so, Seek to honor the Lord. Seek to glorify God in all that you do. Uh, That includes how you gather for Thanksgiving. That includes how you gather for church. That includes how you show hospitality, how you show generosity, how you encourage one another. This is a hard time for Americans. I'm not going to try to trivialize that mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. This is a, a hard time for us. We haven't gone through something exactly like this at this exact political and cultural moment. And Christians are called to step up. We're not called to hide, as Jesus says, we're not called to um, hide our, our light under a basket. And again, our responsibility as Christians, our obligation to obedience is not put on pause because there's a virus going around or because there are burdensome regulations. No, we need to step up all the more and to make sure 
that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are the aroma of Christ. We are salt and light. You're not going to add any flavor or any illumination if you're not salty and if you're not bright. Uh, If you are like the rest of the world in all of your views and all of your actions and all of your attitudes, if you are as dull as the secular world and everything that you think, say, and do, then you are not fulfilling your obligation of being salt and light for the Lord. And now more than ever, more than ever, it is important that we do that. So again, decide what's best for you and your family. The fact of the matter is, is that, uh, for example, if you look at the the school regulations that are that are being implemented in places like New York, they had an arbitrary positivity rate where they said, "Okay, this triggers a lockdown three percent." Silly. There's no scientific data to back that up. They decide they're going to shut down schools. There are a number of places that have decided that they are going to uh, they're going to shut down their schools. Um, based not on science, because there's a variety of sources that say, look, uh, schools are are not the places that are the breeding ground for coronavirus. Um, The Dutch government conducted a large study of 44,000 teachers after schools were reopened in May, much earlier than other countries. They found those teachers had a cumulative infection rate of just 0.7%, much lower than the total of 2% of the over 940,000 adults tested in the test lanes in the same period. And so people want to tell you that it's to protect the teachers uh, and it's to protect the children that schools are remaining closed, but there's no scientific data to back that up, that that's necessary. The CDC, the European CDC, concluded that child-to-child transmission in schools is uncommon and not the primary cause of COVID infection of children whose infection onset coincides with the period during which they are attending school. A study carried out in over 100 institutions in the UK has concluded that there's very little evidence of virus transmission in schools. Icelandic researchers sequenced all the uh, all the genomes from uh, samples of every positive case in the country and failed to find a single instance of a child infecting parents. And so closing down schools also is not for protection from the parents. School closure carried out in Japan did not show any mitigating effect on the transmission of novel coronavirus infection. That is from the International Journal of Infectious Diseases. A recent survey of over 57,000 daycare providers in the U.S. published in the Journal of American Academy of Pediatrics found no association between exposure to child care and a diagnosis of COVID-19. So this is the work of Democratic politicians. This is wanting to, you know, just say that they're doing something. This is the work of teachers unions um, who want to flex their muscles. They are suspending, um, holding hostage, really, their uh, taxpayer funded services in states where there are teachers unions to be able to use it as leverage to get the other political, non-educated related demands that they have. That's how much teachers unions care about your kids. You should go listen to last Friday's episode if you're interested in more on that. So these people that are making decisions are not doing it based on science. The same thing with the with uh, a lot of the other lockdown regulations. So much of it is not based on science. A lot of it is arbitrary. There's no thought to small businesses. There's no thought to your mental health. There's no thought to your emotional health. There's no thought to the Constitution, it seems. And so, as I say, obey everything you can without sinning. Have a positive and a joyful attitude. But 
be as hospitable as you can. Be as much in fellowship safely as you can. Encourage one another. Don't neglect to do good works. Um, Do what is best for you and your family, knowing that you can be trusted far more than the government can. That has always been and will continue to be um, will continue to be my stance on on all of this. Take it seriously. It's not fake. Make your own decisions. Okay, I'm going to take a quick ad break to tell you guys about Bowl and Branch. Bowl and Branch make the best sheets ever. My husband and I love our Bowl and Branch sheets. I'm not just saying that. We sleep on our Bowl and Branch sheets and every time we put our Bowl and Branch sheets on, we get really excited. We have Bowl and Branch sheets and we have other sheets. And you can tell a marked difference between our other sheets. I don't even know where they're from. And our Bowl and Branch sheets. And we're so excited every time it's time to put our Bowl and Branch sheets on. Uh, The cotton that they use is rain-fed, pesticide-free, carries the highest organic certification. That is why it is so soft. They work with family-owned mills all over the world to expertly weave every set of Bowl & Branch sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship. It's quality you can feel the moment you open the box. And it's not just the quality. It's not just that they're so comfortable. This is just a really good company. Not all companies care about where their cotton comes from. They don't care necessarily about the quality of the cotton or uh, they don't care about the conditions of the people who are making the cotton or how well they're paid or how they're treated. But Bowling Branch and the people who started Bowling Branch, they really do. They care about every single part of the supply chain. They care about the families that make the cotton. They care about how they're treated. They care about how much they're making. They care about how uh, the, the cotton is harvested. They really have put so much time and effort and compassion and care in to creating these sheets. The fact that they are high quality and super comfortable really is just icing on the cake for me. But I really care about that kind of thing when it comes to companies. And so I think that it is it is worth spending your money on products that you know are made by people who care about all of those things. So often we just want to spring for whatever is easiest and whatever is is most convenient. And these are easy and convenient, but we just want whatever product, no matter how it's made or where it's made, but you can rest assured in more ways than one with your bowl and branch sheets, knowing that they are well-made, not just high quality, but compassionately made to them. They start at just $160. It's a really good price for good sheets. They're $1,000 quality for a fraction of the price. You can sleep on them for a month risk-free. So if you take them and you're like, uh, okay, I, I don't actually like these that much. They're not that exciting, which I promise you won't feel that way. Uh, then you can send them back risk-free. That's an amazing deal. And they really do get softer the more you wash them and the more you use them. Right now, you'll get $50 off any sheet set at bullandbranch.com with promo code Allie, spelled bowl, B-O-L-L, and branch.com, promo code Allie for $50 off. That is bowl and branch, promo code Allie. Restrictions may apply. See bowlandbranch.com for details. Okay, back to the show. Okay, I want to give a little bit of an update on Georgia, just really quick. Um, So you guys have probably heard that you've probably seen a little bit of all the craziness that's happening with the recounts and with the litigation with President Trump. 
trying to prove fraud. Now, a lot of the lawsuits have been thrown out. Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, they're still positive about what's going to happen. They feel like they're on their way to the Supreme Court. They do feel that they have evidence of fraud in a variety of places where dead people um, were sent voting voting registration cards and they actually voted in some cases where there were software glitches. And so they are going to keep fighting this. Obviously, President Trump, as you can probably tell from his Twitter, he would like to keep fighting it as well. Uh, Sydney Powell is also an attorney that says that she has a lawsuit coming of biblical proportions. Now, Sydney Powell, as the as the Trump lawyers made clear, doesn't actually work for um, for President Trump, but she was a lawyer for Michael Flynn, and she promises that there's going to be there's going to be a lot of evidence of voter fraud, and I think they believe that it's going to be decisive in the way of of President Trump. There's a lot of people right now uh, on the right who really think that Trump is going to win, um, that he is going to end up being victorious in all of this. Um, it, it sure anything could happen. 2020 has been crazy. 2021 could be crazy too. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case though. There's a lot of people who said that they prophesied that Trump is going to win and that that prophecy must come true. I saw a lot of people typically in a particular section of Christianity saying that they got a vision from the Lord and they know for sure they have a strong feeling that it's going to be a landslide. Well, even if the the cases are, are true, even if they're proven true, even if the fraud is proven true, and then it's decisive, it's not a landslide. And it's always interesting how those prophecies always are uh, always are an indication of that person's feelings, like what they want to happen. Um, like I haven't seen someone who is who didn't vote for Trump or who didn't like Trump prophesy that he was going to win. It's always someone who is diehard MAGA. Then they happen to say that they prophesied that Trump was going to win. There's a difference between desires and prophecy. And obviously I've talked before about cessationism versus continuationism and how I feel about that based on scripture. Uh, But I would be very wary of political uh, prophecies, especially when they are given by someone who is partisan themselves. So there's a lot of disappointed people who refuse to believe that the prophecies that they followed or that they feel that they had are not going to be fulfilled. There's a lot of people who just, you know, that aren't in that camp who believe that there is a fight to be fought, who really support President Trump and wants him to fight this to the end. I am in the camp that says, sure, like fight this to the end. Let's uncover every single instance of fraud, whether it's decisive or not. I care about the integrity of our elections. I even said back in the day that, sure, we should have an investigation into Russian collusion. I don't want the Russians. I don't want the Russians infiltrating our elections. And apparently they did try to infiltrate our elections, but there's no evidence whatsoever that it was decisive in any way whatsoever. And there's no evidence whatsoever. The Trump campaign colluded with the Russians for that. But I said, hey, I want transparency. I want honesty. I want to know that the integrity of our elections is secure. That's how I feel here, too. My feeling is that it's still not going to be decisive for President Trump, even if we find out that there is fraud, even if Sid, uh, Sidney Powell says really does show all of this evidence of widespread fraud. I don't think it's going to be decisive in the way of Trump. Now, that said, do people have a reason to be suspicious Sure, I think people have a reason to be suspicious. I mean, we've been hearing for the past four years, Democrats say that they will do absolutely anything 
to get him out of power. And I think that there's also a reason to kind of um, to to be a little bit smug about Democrats and liberal activists saying you just need to accept the results of the election. You're just a sore loser when they didn't accept the results of the 2016 election, still probably don't accept the results of the 2016 election. Nancy Pelosi was saying in May of 2017 that the election was stolen. So Democrats and Democratic media were arguing that the 2016 election was illegitimate, that he wasn't a real president. There were sitting members of Congress, Democrats saying that he was like Maxine Waters, saying that he was an illegitimate president, that we shouldn't call him president. The whole there was this whole not my president movement that lasted for four years. And so spare me the sanctimonious diatribes on accepting the results of the election. You people who still haven't accepted 2016 based on no fact whatsoever, except for your feelings. Um, and so I don't really want to hear it from those people. But I am willing to say, as someone who did accept the results of the 2016 election, that we probably need to have some realistic expectations about this election. That even if there is fraud, which I believe that there very well could be fraud, I wouldn't put it past the Democrats who said that they would do anything to make sure that Trump wasn't elected. The the AG of Pennsylvania saying when all the votes are counted, Trump will lose days before the election. I mean, yeah, all of that is sketchy. All that is sketchy. I I wouldn't put it past a lot of these people, especially in some of these um, in in some of uh, of these states uh, and the people in power there. I wouldn't put it past them to be up to some funny business. And I think that we should uncover all of that. We should investigate all of that. I think that Trump should fight it until the end. Absolutely. But do I think it's going to be decisive? I don't. I I just don't. I think that Biden will be the president of the United States. And I also think that Trump will concede. I think that he will transition peacefully. That process has already started as a formality, at least. I think that he's going to transition peacefully and that it will be um, that it will be fine. He's not the fascist dictator that the left has fantasized about for the past few years to make themselves feel like vigilantes for opposing him. He's just a president that they don't like. Um, And just because you don't like a president doesn't mean that he is going to refuse to leave the White House and that he is staging a coup. That's the new that's the new line. Um, But I am hearing some people in the Trump camp, diehard Trump camp, because Sidney Powell has said, look, there's there's voting fraud. There's voting fraud that's happening, especially in Georgia. That's going to be my first target, she says. So there are, there are people, Lynn Wood, who also works for the president, who says, no, Georgians, don't vote. You need to withhold your vote in Georgia. And uh, because, you know, the governor Kemp and the secretary of state, they're up to no good. They're colluding with all of the fraudsters and the Dominion voting systems. And so you need to withhold your vote. And I've heard some people in Georgia, conservatives saying, oh, you know, why would we even vote if if it's rigged against us? You know, one way, you know, one really good way of making sure that Democrats take control of the Senate is not voting and having that attitude. Sure, maybe there maybe there is funny business. Maybe there are sketchy things going on. But one way to make sure that you lose the Senate is to not vote. So for the love of everything, please, Georgians, go vote. Like, have you seen Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, the things that they stand for, the legislation that the Senate wants to pass? 
Like that is going to have a direct effect on your life and your children's life for the worst for generations. And you are going to put what some revenge against Governor Kemp by uh, withholding your vote. That is the most ridiculous and stupid thing that I've ever heard in my life. I said on Twitter, I said that that's right up there. That That's withholding your vote as a Georgia conservative is among the worst ideas in human history, right up there with communism and perms. Two of the worst ideas in human history. Um, I actually said bangs on Twitter, but some people got mad at me. And so I had to add a caveat that some people can pull off bangs. I can't. And so I was just speaking out of bitterness. But perms, I think we can universally agree. Bad idea right up there with communism and not voting as a Republican in the Georgia election for the love people. Come on. So I don't know if there was fraud in Georgia there or there was some sketchy stuff that happened in Fulton County. And I think maybe DeKalb County, too, with some glitches. But all eyes are going to be on Georgia. It's going to be very hard for them to get away with fraud uh, in this one. And so please go out and vote. Convince your friends to vote research the candidates, have lunch with your friends, have dinner with your friends, gather with them, tell them, hey, this is why you need to vote. These these are the issues that matter. Here's the threat the Democrats pose to our Constitution and to your liberties and to your life and to your children's life, to your children's school. And this is why you need to vote for these Republican candidates. That's what I encourage you to do. Please don't become apathetic. Please don't think that we have this in the bag. Please don't think that it's not worth voting. I don't know what's going to come of these fraud of this fraud litigation, but this whole movement to not vote in Georgia. Wow. Like, are you a Democratic operative? That's such a silly, silly idea. So please, please vote. Please encourage your friends to vote in Georgia. The Senate race really matters. And we'll be talking more about that in the month of December. Um, Okay, that's all I have time for. I uh, hope that you enjoy your Thanksgiving, however you are celebrating, if you are celebrating gathering with your family, or if you unfortunately have no other option but to sit at home, um, then I hope that you still enjoy that. I hope that you at least are able to binge on some good food. I'm not really a turkey person. I'm more of a ham gal myself. Love me some mashed potatoes. I will be making, um, I'm not gathering with a ton of people, okay? Just gathering with some people. And I will be making pumpkin pie and pecan pie. We'll be having turkey, ham, and mashed potatoes. I think we'll have chocolate pie, probably green beans, hopefully sweet potatoes, hopefully sweet potato casserole. Um, I don't know what else we'll be having. A lot of carbs, a lot of carbs. Rolls definitely somewhere in there. Uh, I hope that you are planning to have some good food at the very least, even if you can't gather with your whole family as usual. Okay, a lot to be grateful for this year. Don't forget that. A lot to be grateful for. If you are alive and if you are in Christ, there is so much, so much to be grateful for forever and ever. Amen. Okay, no episode, no new episode on Friday, but we will be back here on Monday with a fascinating interview that I know that you will love. See you then.